Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rotating Reels. I'm your host, Keegan Tran, calling in from Portland, Oregon. And with me today, I have calling in from Seattle, Washington, Hank Showalter. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, 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 I'm Hank. Also calling in from Seattle, Washington, we have Taylor May. Say hey, Taylor. It's me, Taylor. It's me, I'm here. And I also wrote an intro for this one, and that is... Like Lin-Manuel Miranda, I also overly insert myself into my own creative projects. (laughs) So by that, Uh, you're going to be doing a main review this week of In the Heights, which is a film that is both in theaters and uh, streaming on HBO Max. Let me read the uh, plot summary really quickly. A film version of the Broadway musical in which Usnavi, a sympathetic New York bodega owner, saves every penny every day as he imagines and sings about a better life. I think that's a pretty decent intro. But before we get into that, we are going to talk a little bit about what we have been watching this past week. So, Taylor, why don't you kick us off? What did you watch the past week? I will share my screen and get my timer started. You know what? I'm not even going to do that. You always you keep it short. So why don't you just fly through what you got? Oh, that's dangerous, giving me free <laughs> reign. Uh, well, that's good, because I only watched one thing this week, um, and it was Mare. It's a documentary titled Just the Word Mare. Um, it's, uh, I think it was done in 2019, maybe 2020 before the pandemic stuff really kicked off. Um, and it's, uh, just a documentary following a mayor, um, in sort of a second city of the West Bank in Gaza, uh, not Gaza, excuse me, in Palestine. Um, and, uh, it's just kind of showing what his life is like trying to be a mayor of this town that he doesn't have total control over, you know, the Israeli army and has incursions in the town all the time. It's interesting when all the politicians are uh, talking about the armies here. They're not talking about their army. They're talking about somebody else's army that's in their town. Um, and so, you know, really heavy stuff juxtaposed with there's a whole scene right at the beginning where they're trying to figure out what the city branding is going to be for the town. I mean, this is all real stuff. And they're all talking about what city branding is. And eventually some guy goes, let's just all agree we don't know what city branding is. So it's just like this really, really like a dull day-to-day municipal level politics stuff juxtaposed with these really big problems and big questions. Um, So pretty interesting. Um, I I would highly recommend it. Really well done. Um, It kind of has the the tone, because they're trying to balance this difficult tone. I think that's probably a difficult tone to live through, right? So they're trying to represent this. So uh, the mayor's Christian and it's around Christmas time. So they have like real old school 1940s, 50s Christmas music playing a lot, which seems sort of weird given what we're watching. Um, but I think it kind of works. Um, it's been really well reviewed. So yeah, that's that's Mayor. I would definitely go and watch it if you're interested in documentaries and, and that region of the world and what's going on over there. Where did uh, where'd you stream that? Man, don't ask me. Um, I think Amazon. I think it was on Amazon. Okay, fair enough. Sounds like something you'd find on Amazon, given uh, I think your password you've been watching. Yeah. So cool. I check that out. It sounds pretty cool. Uh, okay. Well, as always, you are uh, incredibly punctual with your what we've been watching. I didn't run the timer, but I would imagine you are at just about a minute. Uh, and so to juxtapose that, let's pass this to Hank, who runs a little long. Hank, you have three minutes. What'd you watch? All right, I actually had a pretty light watch week, but I managed to fit in a movie this week, so I'm excited to, to throw that in at the end. Um, but as far as TV, what I've been watching, um, the new season of Too Many Spirits just started. It's a YouTube series by, uh, by Watcher, who are some of my favorite YouTube content creators. 
and uh, it's pretty funny. It started off uh, with a pretty strong drink this season, so the first episode has our two hosts uh, pretty clearly tipsy. Um, so I'm excited to see <laughs> what the next three episodes hold. I, you know, I, I hope everyone's okay, but there's really no way of knowing. Um, but anyway, that was pretty good. Um, watched some uh, more episodes of Adventure Time that I hadn't seen before. Uh, you know, Adventure Time, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to watch. Uh, it's got Tom Kenny in it. Um, fun, fun story about Tom Kenny. Uh, over the weekend, there was a moment where uh, someone had implied to me that he had died, and it was just a real rough moment. I was like, oh my god, Tom, how didn't I know that? But anyway, he's fine. So I felt really, <laughs> felt really glad when I was watching Adventure Time, knowing that he wasn't he wasn't gone forever from my life. Everything's, Everything's okay. okay. Tom Kenny's still alive. Chill um, out, Ken. Besides... He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, besides that, um, I didn't continue any of those terrible docu series I was watching last week. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Just watched, you know, some Bob's Burgers reruns, um, some uh, like BuzzFeed Unsolved reruns. I, I like some, you know. Uh, like you know kind of goofy true crime shit so that was fun um and that was all the tv that i watched now then on to the movie that i mentioned um there's a movie i've been meaning to watch since 2018 when it first came out and i finally got around to it it's a korean movie and it's called uh gonjium haunted asylum it's Mm. a korean like found footage horror movie I'm a big fan of the found footage genre. There's some real schlock in there, you know, some stuff that's not uh, not really worth watching. And there's some real gems in there. Like, I'm really fond of uh, the first Paranormal Activity, the Banshee Chapter, uh, Bay, if you count that. So anyway, I was excited to see a foreign found footage horror movie. And I have to say, this one, it was pretty spooky. I, I was actually, uh, like, it kind of got me. Haley was like, you were squeezing my hand during that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, so it was good. Um, I, I, I might even make my co-host watch it at some point, uh, whether just, like, during a hangout yeah, session yeah. or for a week of the podcast. I don't know yet. But really thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't really describe it too much because I feel like a lot of fun of the movie was not knowing exactly what I was getting into. Um, so, you know, not without its faults, but definitely worth checking out if you're into found footage horror and, uh, you can rent it on Amazon. Um, but yeah. Was it, was it, so it was good. Uh, Cause like the main takeaway for me was something scared Hank, which I didn't know was possible anymore with movies, but was it good in addition to being frightful? Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was good. You know, like I said, not a perfect movie. Um, like I think, you know, there, there, there are potentially some problems with the plotting, um, though I might need to watch it again to decide if I think they're really problems. Uh, but overall, you know, I thought the acting was good. Uh, it can be difficult to tell in a second language, but everyone seemed very convincing, um uh, the cinematography was really cool which is not something i'm used to in found footage like they actually did some really cool shots with like panorama cams and like drone cams and stuff um nice so a very modern take on the found footage genre like really worth watching um yeah nice okay i'll check that I'll out say, anyway i think it's a fun movie one thing, I don't know if you picked up on this, but something that really just kept me from getting 100% into that movie is I feel like uh, later in the movie, once things kind of start hitting the fan, uh, shocker, I don't know if that's a spoiler, but there is some haunting stuff going on. Um, I just feel like in an attempt to be a little more realistic, they have the actors just scream a lot because they're terrified, right? As anyone would be. 
which I think is is true to life, but from like a cinematic experience, I ended up actually muting it for like the last ten minutes because it was just it was no dialogue, all screaming, and it kind of grated on me. Did that bug you at all? Um, it actually didn't. I, like I, I honestly like I. I it's so far so it so didn't bother me that like honestly as you're describing it i was like trying to think like did i even notice that um and i don't know like maybe i was just like a bit too like clenched up to really be taking in the screams <laughs> hank um, was screaming that's why he couldn't hear it over yeah, no, his I was, own like, screams watching it and you know like it got uh, it, it, you know, it's dark outside and like i live like right on an alleyway and my blinds were like a little bit open so i could just stare out into like the dark alleyway and i was like oh man i gotta close the anyway it was good. I'd recommend it. Um, but, you know, like, maybe wait to watch it with me, because I would love to watch it again, I think. Um, I think it'd be a fun group watch, yeah. for okay. sure. Right. Yeah. Um, but, cool. yeah, that's all I watched this this week. Some interesting watches this week, guys. Um, I was fairly light, uh, but I'll jump in here and start my timer. So, watched one movie and uh, started one show this week. Um, so, I watched a movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is a new Angelina Jolie movie. Um, this came out about two months ago. It's on, um, it's one of the HBO Max theater releases, one of those dual um, 30 day window releases. Um, and it's actually kind of a remake of the like 90s uh, natural event thriller. So the premise is Angelina Jolie is a firefighter. Um, she is in a firewatch tower and not only does she come across a boy who's being chased by two hitmen, but those hitmen have started a forest fire. So the, her and the boy are running away from this insane fire that's burning through Wyoming. Uh, it's really cheesy. It's really fun. Uh, it's directed by Taylor Sheridan, who made the uh, a couple movies in the, I think it's called the Frontier Trilogy, um, which are Sicario, Hell or High Water, and Wind River. Um, I don't think this movie has as much interesting commentary on the American West as those movies do. Um, I think it's much more concerned with just being kind of a crazy action thriller. Uh, but on that front, it's really fun. And it's really nice to see Angelina back in a starring role um, outside of like Maleficent and some of her Disney work that she's done. She's really competent. And I, I think she brings I, a lot to that role. What was that? I had totally forgotten about Angelina Jolie. Like, and she's a killer, man. She's, I mean, she completely holds her weight. She's a lot of fun. It's pretty unrealistic to see just this goddess of 90s movies being, <laughs> they try to rough her up a little bit and make her look like a firefighter. And it's just completely <laughs> unconvincing, which is <laughs> the most like yeah. difficult thing to get into with the movie. But uh, no, I would definitely recommend it. And it's on HBO Max right now. Um, and then the other thing I watched this week is I picked up uh, Disney's Loki. So there's only two of six episodes out. This is a real limited series. But man, I feel like I have been recommending that you guys check out WandaVision for a while. And this is now the third uh, show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's on Disney Plus, and I love WandaVision. I think there's a lot of interesting things that it does uh, from a kind of a meta perspective of, of cinema and TV and what it means to be a TV show. Uh, but outside of that, I think the story is a little weak. Um, I think the ending turns into typical Marvel flying through the sky action fair. But man, this low key series is like really, really good soft science fiction. The art design is incredible. Um, it's written by someone that wrote a bunch of Rick and Morty. So it's really zany, really fun. Uh, it actually asks a lot of kind of crazy philosophical questions that you would not expect from this kind of show. Uh, and you have Owen Wilson back in a pretty, uh, I would say it's, it's like a pretty highbrow role considering that he used to do just a lot of cheesy comedies. 
do look great. He has a lot of really good chemistry with Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki. Um, and I'm just loving this show so far, man. I think there's there's this real kind of fun sense of like retro futurism. And a lot of the show takes place in this like futuristic government agency. So even though it's like, you know, you can tell their technology is way beyond what we have available to us in 2021. Um, it's completely run down because it's like this underfunded government agency. It's kind of grimy and dirty. I mean, the production design is just absolutely next level for this show. Uh, I can't recommend that you guys check this out enough. There's only going to be six episodes, so fairly short. Um, and this is seemingly what's going to kick off the multiverse. So for people that are into the kind of wacky, crazy stories with Marvel, this is uh, this supposedly is going to be the one that has the most impact on the overall storyline. So that's Loki, and I'm absolutely mm. loving it. What can I ask you guys? This is a little bit off topic, but based on something you said, Keegan, what do you guys think of Rick and Morty? Because I've never like sat down to try to watch it, but whenever I've seen it on, I always thought this is stupid, and I don't know why people like this. Um, I actually I enjoyed it myself. I actually I've only seen the first two seasons, um, but like I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, like it was kind of like dumb like popcorn humor but you know like i you know i like some like toilet humor and sex jokes um but then once the internet got a hold of it and like you couldn't get away from rick and morty jokes like i cannot stomach watching it anymore um there's like a reason i like i, I watched like the first episode of the third season or maybe even more than the first I, I i didn't watch the whole third season there might be a fourth but uh i don't know like i i thought it was fun while it lasted and then I just couldn't escape from it anymore. And now I, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm fully caught up. I, uh, so I've watched all four seasons. I'll probably watch this new fifth season. And, uh, I, it, it's like always sold the people that like it. I think they, they consider it to be like borderline hard science fiction, like a really, really, they sell it as this like really good take on sci-fi from an animated perspective. And I just, I don't see it, man. I've watched all of it. It's fun, like, background popcorn fare. It's definitely more highbrow than something like like American Dad or Family Guy, but I don't think the gap is as far from those shows as people want to believe it is. And, like, I think it's had a lot of cultural impact in all the wrong ways. So I'm very neutral on that show. Okay, good. Well, I feel like I'm in good company then because I, I had never had gotten into it, so I only was introduced to it by everybody else liking it. And so then when I when I have seen it on every once in a while, I'm just like, what? This is just this guy's just burping and there's drool in his face. And I, this isn't not doing not doing anything for me. So I'm glad to hear that you guys are in a similar similar camp, though, not exactly the same camp. Yeah. Camp adjacent, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Like maybe 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 Loki will uh, if I try it out, it'll scratch some of that sci fi itch because I do find myself. Well, yeah. I, I love sci fi. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, you kind of sold me on Loki. And I would say, uh, I think also like we're so far in this Marvel Cinematic Universe that like, what's like twenty three movies and three limited series now. It's like pretty intimidating to jump into that, and they do a really good job of recapping like everything that's happened up to this point. So, like if you are not fully caught up, this is a decent place to jump in. So. What about like for those nice. of us that have seen the first two <laughs> Iron Mans and Endgame? Like, do you think it'll fill in the gaps? <laughs> It's actually a direct sequel to Endgame, so you are fully caught up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. Cool. Well, I think that brings our uh, what we were watching to a wrap. Um, and in that case, we will move on to our main review of In the Heights. I already read the uh, IMDb blurb for it. 
But again, this is a movie that is currently in theaters. Uh, we're considering this an A week, but is also available to stream for 30 days on HBO Max. Uh, this is a Lin-Manuel Miranda remake of one of the first plays that he did. This precedes Hamilton. Originally, it was an off-Broadway play. Then it moved to Broadway, where I think it sat there for seven years. Um, many people have won Tonys for writing or performing in this play, um, as it is on Broadway. And John Chu, director of Crazy Rich Asians, hopped in to direct this film adaptation of it. So with that, uh, gentlemen... How do we feel about this movie? And I will throw this first to Taylor. <laughs> um, yeah, in the heights, man. I so I I enjoy musicals sort of as a rule, but uh, I, it's a rule I enforce on myself, meaning that I I need to make myself enjoy musicals because I've been around musical theater for a lot of my life. Not myself. I nobody wants to hear me sing. I love singing. Nobody wants to hear me do it though. So I've been around it a lot, though. My, my father was an actor and a musician um, and other people in my life. And there is I have a lot of appreciation for the art form. Um, I think there's some really, really impressive stuff that gets done in musicals. And I think In the Heights showcases all of that. The singing, the dancing, these big productions. I, I think it's great. I think that's what musicals are all about. Um, that said, <laughs> the... I didn't care about any of these characters. There were a dozen of them, like, you know, the blurb says it's about Usnavi, and he is obviously the main guy, but there's all these other characters we meet, and not that many interesting things are happening to them, and it's very easy to see where everything's going. Um, and so I, I kind of felt like the the talent of all the people in the movie um, and the budget were, were sort of wasted on a nothing story, a story that was basically West Side Story told in a worse, less interesting way. Um, so not not a big fan of this movie. It was kind of hard for me to get through it. Um, but that said, the big the big dance numbers were, were definitely enjoyable to watch. Fair enough. Yeah. I, don't, I think these are not usually really known for having tight scripts. So I think you can't be blamed too much for that distaste. Hank, do you, do you share his opinions? Do you wildly love this movie and you want to challenge Taylor on anything? Um, so I... Taylor likes musicals as a rule. I do not. It's just not for me. Um, like, there, no one's doing anything wrong by making and enjoying musicals. I'm just, I'm clearly not the target audience. I've, I, I've very rarely seen musicals and, like, gotten anything out of it. Like, I, it just, there's, like, a certain genre of music that is what they perform in musicals, and it does nothing for me. Um, and uh, this movie, I think, you know just watching it like i really got the impression that like if i was into musicals at all this movie would just be like mainlining what i was coming to musicals for it'd be like we got your visual maximalism we've got these like really upbeat <laughs> musical song pieces we've got characters that are sympathetic even though it doesn't really seem like there's like that much going on with them as presented other than the things that they just like word vomit at us during their songs you know like it's got all those things and it did them seemingly very competently. The thing is, I don't really enjoy any of those things. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, some people don't like the killing of a sacred deer. I don't like <laughs> what this was. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I also felt like, you know, trying to watch it and uh, kind of 
you know, on some level kind of divorce the movie from just, like, I don't really like musicals and, like, watch it for, like, its own merits that aren't just, like, the staples of the genre. There was nothing for me there. Like, I could have predicted the ending, I think, in, like, the first 15 minutes. Um, I won't go into more detail until we get the spoilers, but I, I think, like, it was basically telegraphed. And then everything between the ending, like, I knew how it was going to end, but the movie is framed with Usnavi telling a story, and I didn't really understand what the story he was telling was about until the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie. Which is weird. Like, I, I knew how it was going to end, but I didn't know why he was telling all the pieces he was. And I think that was just really emblematic of a movie that, to me, was incredibly disjointed. I think this movie really had no focus uh, besides just giving you everything you want from a musical. Unfortunately, what I want from a musical is for it to stop. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. Hank's take of uh, that, that's, there's people that like a killing of a sacred deer. No, I do. I feel like, people. so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. There's saying? two types of people people who like sacred deer and it people is. who suck. <laughs> no, I. I so. Uh, I'm not I'm not like a huge into musical theater, but whenever I've gone and seen a musical, it's like a new musical, right? Like I, I saw one. I'm not gonna call it out. I saw one a couple of years ago. It was here in Seattle, the Fifth Ave. So it's big, giant production. Everyone's talking about this is going straight to Broadway. This is gonna win awards. This is exactly what we want for musicals, and it was the same fucking thing. I mean massive production giant ribbons on stream and there's 30 people singing and it's just in the heights doo -doo 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 -doo. And it was huge and it was like who are these characters what are these <laughs> characters doing are we are the character the whole characterization is basically just to move us between giant set piece song and giant set piece song and that's fine but you know there are some there are some musicals like i i like the the les, les mis right i don't i don't know i don't love everything in in that musical but there's a story there's some sort of a story there's something they're trying to tell us right and i think i and I, I i could be totally wrong in saying this right so take it with a grain of salt but all the musicals i've seen recently have been just like in the heights where the talent is amazing um these giant productions and the story is just there's nothing there yeah very fair. I also wonder too if uh, generally the three of us being from Oregon, Washington, right? We're we're fairly West Coast. I think a lot of our like framing of regional stuff comes from LA, like a lot of Hollywood. I feel like I associate my taste more with like Hollywood. I wonder too, like if we were based in New York and Broadway and musical theater was more a part of our like ingestion of pop culture, if if we would feel differently about that. Because I do think that there was so much, like if, if you're musical theater, you go to New York, right? Like you said, if, the hope of the Seattle play was that it could at some point make it to, to Broadway, which is, I guess, the pinnacle of, of what the art form could be. So, yeah, no. Yeah, that, that's a great observation. I think there's yeah. a... I don't know, but I... Well, I think we can evaluate this musical on its own merits, right? We can evaluate the the plot and the dialogue and the characterization and everything else. And so, like, maybe we're not as uh, as easygoing about it as we might be if we were huge. We were constantly seeing musicals because we lived in New York or whatever. But if if we're being just taking a pretty neutral view and not being charitable, I think I think you have a hard time defending the characterization and sure. this movie in particular. I, I feel like this movie really suffers from a lot of the same stuff that Kong versus Godzilla suffered from, 
which is uh, you know we, we when we reviewed Kong versus Godzilla, this is a call out for like long time listeners. That was you know a few weeks ago. We reviewed it, and you know there were some pretty major complaints that were levied against the film. And often, kind of the the counterpoint was like, but if you're into the genre, this is like a genre trope, and it's going to like speak to your love of the genre. And I really feel like that was maybe all of what was supporting in the heights you know is like if you're like really into mm. the genre like if, if you like this style of music not because like you know you like it, not you're not here for the plot you're not here for like the cinematography you're here for the musical you know i think then mm. that's like yeah. what it's for but if you're trying to watch this as a movie i just don't think there's a lot there um yeah yeah. Yeah, it's like you're there for the spectacle of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But again, right, I mean, it's like uh it's like uh wrestling. WWE wrestling. Everybody knows it's fake. They're there for the spectacle of it. And I know? think I think even and I guess this kind of moves into my thoughts on it too. I think a lot of that pageantry is really you're not going to get that at that level from any other genre. It's very specific to that. It's like, you know, similar to action movies, right? Like you're not nowhere else can you get that. So, again, I think it's a I think it's a pretty fair assessment that this is it's very much a, a niche shot well not a niche genre but i guess it's the taste for it has to be there to to like the movie otherwise it's you're a little bit doa um but i guess quickly uh, just to get my thoughts out there and i have some stuff i want to bring up in spoilers but i think i i my, my general opinion on theater and musical theater and musicals i think is pretty similar to taylor's i don't naturally find myself liking them a lot but I want to respect it. I think they're very interesting. I love La La Land. And to be honest, I think La La Land is one of the ones that brought me into it. But I also think La La Land does a good job of being a cinematic experience, which I think is a failing of this movie that it doesn't really carry as well. And I, there's, it's not as well written. I think there's a really fun ending to La La Land. And I think there's a lot of fun stuff, you know, from a visual perspective that goes on in that movie that this movie, uh, I think, does a fair job of, but isn't quite on that level, um, which I think people would be really like more nose up in the air critics would be upset to hear that people like la la land more but i think for general audiences that would be the trend i like this movie a fair bit um i think i really am interested in immigrant stories i think this is a really fun way to tell a story of, of immigrants you know i'm second generation but these these things are, are really fun i'm i've very like in tune to silly names that just get grabbed out of nowhere so i i guess it's a spoiler but the main character's name is usnavi and he tells about halfway through the movie a story about them coming over to you know they were coming on a boat from uh dominican republic and his dad saw a u.s navy boat go by and he was just so ecstatic to be in america that he was like i'm gonna name my son usnavi which is really funny and i think you know pretty true to life i have two friends i grew up in eugene oregon uh they're gonna kill me if i say this but you know when they moved from china they were like we'll name our son eugene and our daughter will be Eugenia. <laughs> Those are not really names here. No one's really named Eugenia, <laughs> but it's fun and it's it's kind of an artifact of being an immigrant in the U.S. So I thought the little things like that were were really fun. Um, again, the musical numbers are like amazing. Uh, La La Land, you have people dancing on a highway, two hundred people dancing in the streets of New York or in a swimming pool, you know, community community center. That's amazing. The amount of coordination that goes into that and making that you know all tie together is amazing. Um, We'll get into this a little bit more later, but I really feel like the main character of this movie should not have been Usnavi. And I think Usnavi, for a great part of the narrative, is actually the antagonist of this and doesn't really do anything to bring it in. I really was interested in Benny and Nina's story. And I think Nina and her father, there's some really, really interesting stuff. And again, 
if you're taking the angle of being an immigrant, I think her story is the most compelling one there. And I think the movie does a huge injustice by not focusing in on them. And the only time I felt remotely emotional was when they have their scene dancing on the side of the building that you see in the trailer later later in the movie. So we can get into that more in spoilers. I'm a fan of this movie. I'm not going to be singing its praises. I don't think this is going to be my top 10. But this is uh, the kind of rare experience. I think we don't get a lot of musicals at this level with this kind of budget. So I'm really happy we got this. I'm happy that these avenues still exist and that we have a voice like Lin-Manuel Miranda that wants to make musical theater. Because as some reviewers from Variety called out, musical theater theater is not cool. La La Land works to make this a cool, edgy thing <laughs> by putting Ryan Gosling in there. But it's inherently kind of cheesy and lame. And from the very first song, you have our main character singing and breaking the fourth wall. Uh, and it, it pulls no punches in saying, this is full musical theater. We're going to be a bunch of lame theater kids. So I think it was fun. But uh, why don't we break into spoilers and, and get some of our, our thoughts there? Let's do it. I got to say, though, how is Ryan Gosling edgy? That's just, I just want to leave you with that question. I know. Burning I, in your mind. It's the John Legend is all the carrying there of the edginess. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's bring it into spoilers. I, w- I want to talk. I want to talk spoilers because this is where I can, you know, levy my complaints. Go nuts. All right. Can I can I lead us in? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So this the movie frame story. Usnavi's telling his kids about something. Um, they do no 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 real explanation of. Uh, of really what he's talking about. He's just kind of saying words to his kids, occasionally describing an event. Um, but fairly early in the movie, he's like talking about how he wants to go home to the Dominican Republic. He goes, best years of my life were there, you know. It's revealed he moved away when he was eight, and like pretty early on, <laughs> and, and to be clear, he's, he's an adult man at this point. Like he's running his own business and stuff. And so anyway, pretty early on, uh, you know, it's revealed like he hadn't been home since he was eight, more or less. Um, And uh, like all his friends are like, wow, we'd miss you so much if you left and you don't know anyone back there. And from, you know, know, this is maybe five, ten minutes into the movie. And from that point, you're like, okay, so like clearly there's going to be a happy ending. And that happy ending can't be him leaving the only home he's ever really known and all the friends that are the only people he knows in the world. Like, come on. And uh, so that was just incredibly telegraphed. So I wasn't gripped throughout the movie because I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Someone's going to convince him to stay home. So that was one thing that I was like, okay, there's nothing drawing me in here. What also didn't draw me in was that the story he was telling, I've mentioned it was kind of unclear what he was telling it about. And the reason for that is there are a bunch of these side stories about other characters that are all, like, they seem like compelling enough characters. I really have no complaints about them as characters. What I do have complaints about is the fact that none of them had anything to do with Usnavi either moving away or deciding to stay home, except for Vanessa, who I have my own complaints about, and she didn't get as much time focused on her as all the other characters. But, like, uh, Nina and Benny, they were probably the two best characters in the movie, but their stories had yeah. nothing to do with Usnavi besides the fact that they knew him. And so while he's telling the story to his children and they keep coming in, I keep thinking like, okay, how are they going to factor into his decision to stay in New York? Because as I yeah. said, I knew that was going to happen from the beginning and it just didn't. 
And it, overall, it ended up feeling just incredibly unfocused, disconcerting. There was this whole, like, three days until the blackout. And the blackout <laughs> happened. And the blackout really did not mean anything for the story of the movie, except that, like... It kills the abuela! <laughs> what are you talking about? Abuela doesn't die without it. It's the combination of the yeah, stress I mean, and the heat that kills her. Yeah, but, like, did, did abuela dying, like, was that, like, incredibly relevant to him deciding to stay in New York? She was never going to Dominica. She was from Cuba. She's like, what, 80 years old? She's not moving. 80-year-old people rarely fucking move, you know? Like, that was a pipe dream from the minute they talked and, and about it. And to be clear, like, I have her, nothing against the die. Abuela character. She, you know, like, she she was a good yeah. character. I think her song was the best one in the movie, arguably. At Great. least visually. Um but mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. you know like like the, the thing is when she died sure it's emotional and all but like it doesn't have anything to do with the story that he's allegedly telling his kids yeah. um so anyway the movie was just incredibly unfocused and even within all that unfocusedness i knew exactly what was going to happen at the end of the movie and so there was just nothing keeping me there because as i've mentioned i'm, I'm not there for the music um which yeah. feels weird hey, as the resident musician <laughs> if we if we do a uh, usnavi vanessa delete and we reframe this movie to be focused on Nina, and then she comes back and Benny is, like, the secondary main character. Do you think you'd be more interested in this movie? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think their story's more interesting. Um, I think, like, Nina and her father have some good uh, development yeah. that they just, you know, they, they, they don't really show it that much. They just kind of tell us that it happened through song, which I guess is a musical thing, but it, it didn't make me feel incredibly invested. But, I, you know, I think their stories were very interesting. I really like Jimmy Smith's. Um, so every time he was on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, Jimmy. Um, and, you know, Benny, uh, you know, I've seen him before. I think he was in Straight Outta Compton. Um, yeah, anyway, you know, li- like him, I think he was a good character, like him going and, like, manning the phones during the blackout, one of the best scenes in the movie, but it had nothing to do with Usnavi's story. But I'm like, yeah, you know, if, if the story is about Nina and Benny, good. full steam ahead, cool. I'm interested in what's happening with him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been a much better much better story to tell their story, and, and I think they could have added so much that's the thing is that by focusing on so many characters we don't get much depth on any of the characters right and to the point where nina seems why i liked her character a lot of what she did was just ridiculous there were so many times when she goes to the railing or whatever and so she's in the middle of a conversation and she goes let me listen to my block (laughs) i have to listen to my block Everybody be quiet. (laughs) It's just like, I just, come on, man. I don't even really know who this lady is. She had a a shitty roommate in college, so now she's not going back, and it's this whole thing, and I don't know. It just, uh, those could have been much more interesting characters if we'd gotten to spend any more time with them. And instead, we're hearing Usnavi talk about, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right with you, Hank. I, the main, the the main character was one of the least interesting characters. The story of Abuela, Abuela was one of my favorite characters. Probably, actually, I'm going to say it. My favorite character in the whole piece. Yeah, I like Abuela, but then they killed her. (laughs) She was reprising her role from, she was, uh, she plays that character on on Broadway. She actually won a Tony for her performance on Broadway for that, that character. Which I thought was a really fun nod. I think I think Usnavi is the only other one that reprises his role from um, Broadway. But just to keep piling on on why Usnavi is not a good person to focus in on this, and why he's kind of a despicable character. Uh, in the beginning, he goes and he, he he employs his young cousin. I think he's like thirteen or fourteen, which is nice. But he decides that because he wants to go back to the Dominican Republic, he's going to take his young cousin with him, who 
is kind of killing it in school and has a really good role model in Nina, and he wants to go to college in the U.S., and he tries to disrupt that and get him to move out of the U.S. where he has a promising future and potentially sabotaging his future. On top of that, he has this huge crush on Vanessa. He, for potentially years, has never asked her out. His cousin, you know, decides to be the one to ask out in on his behalf. So they're very awkward. They go to the club together. I don't believe their chemistry for a minute. I think they're very awkward together. Uh, she's like a foot taller than him, which is fine, right? Short kings, whatever. But still, it's very visually awkward. <laughs> and they get to the club and they dance with different people to make each other jealous. And then they go outside and Vanessa's mad because he didn't want to dance with her, which is understandable. And he goes, you were just shaking your ass for half of Washington Heights, which is kind of a shitty thing to say to someone. Cut to the next scene. After Abuela dies, they're standing together and she's crying and she goes, I'm just the girl that does nails. There will be girls like me all over the Dominican Republic in New York. And it's like, first of all, don't bring yourself down. Second of all, you're way out of his league. And third, why are you forgiving him when he was just the one accusing you and kind of slut-shaming you for dancing with other people like he told you to? Not to defend him, but she also isn't the best because she was, you know, the blackout happens, which we're building up to it the whole time, you know, three days till blackout, two days till blackout, right? And then the blackout happens and everybody freaks the fuck out and they just stampede out of the club. And then she's like, she, they find each other like right outside of the club and she's like, you abandoned me. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, lady, you were 30 feet away. I, 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 what, what was going to happen in that 30 feet that you needed my cup? I was just the whole thing between them felt so forced. The tension felt forced because they have all this like. They, there was some chemistry in that they're, like, laughing with each other. So they seemed, like, very friendly. I'm sure they've known each other for years and years and years, right? But they, that didn't transform into romantic chemistry. Yeah. And so it just – it just the whole thing felt forced. And it, it kind of felt like two of your friends that have known each other for a long time. And you always knew something was there, but you thought it's not going to work out. They're not good for each other. That's kind of how I felt. Like, when – you know, when the – we're in spoiler section now. So when the big reveal happens and turns out – one of those kids who's Navi's telling the story to is him and his is Vanessa's kid, right? I was like, ah, no, it's not. That's not. That's not what was gonna happen. That's 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 just the way you force them to be together with this child. That's not what was gonna happen based on these. Yeah, and on top I... of that, the just one more thing. The funniest thing about that scene with the reveal is that Vanessa is clearly like the actress is like 23 years old. She's super young, and they try to mom her up by throwing a cardigan. She's like this beautiful 23 year old actress, and they throw a cardigan on her to make you believe that she has a nine year old daughter. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, no, like, and the thing about Vanessa, too, is, like, we don't get a lot of time with her besides Usnavi drooling over her, um, but literally, I maybe not literally, figuratively, all of the time <laughs> we get with Vanessa is her either getting ready to cry or crying. Like, and, like, there, there's nothing wrong with crying. You can cry if you want, but if there's a character in the movie that the whole time they're there, it's just like, let me put on my pouty face and then cry about it, you know, it gets tiring. Like, I, 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 I want, yeah. I want another note for the character, at least one, you know. Exactly. We don't no, but you don't get enough time for that. So you get one fucking note for Vanessa, and it's, it's crying. It's, That's it. You That's know, what you I'm get. crying because you left me in the club. I'm crying because you told me you liked me. I'm crying because blackout happened maybe I, it, it's 
just that's her whole character and i'm like i don't even want Van- like, like, like you're way out of usnavi's league and i still don't want him to get with you because then i'm gonna have to see more of you crying she comes over to his house because he's leaving she cries about that she i think she cries because he's staying it's just so much crying yeah yeah hank hank's not here for the crying <laughs> okay you need you need to show him some screaming will be fine he will be okay with the screaming terror that'll work but crying no we don't yeah, have I mean, we have time for it, just not the, you know, like, 30 minutes of screen time they dedicated to it. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good... That's a good... Me, Vanessa. <laughs> to jump off of that 30, 30 minutes being a little too long, this movie has no business being two hours and 23 minutes. Why? There's so much fat to trim. It, I mean, and I was liking it, and I saw it in theaters, and I still was like, let's... Come on, let's wrap this up. I'm trying to grab some food after this. This is so long. <laughs> Well, because we all know what's going to happen. There's no suspense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm like, if you're going to make your movie two and a half hours, that's fine. But, you know, take me on a journey. You know, like, make me be like, okay, like, you know, make me learn how you got from point A to point B. But, like, if I if I know exactly where point B is, and I, you know, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, I could have said, like, yeah, he's going to realize he's going to miss his friends when he moves to this place he hasn't been since he was eight and where he knows no one. Like, that's not a compelling journey it's obvious what's going to happen and why it is going to happen just that's you know one hour tops but everybody can sing and dance listeners if you're worried we're being too harsh in this movie and you love this movie and you love musicals i think we're all willing to admit that the singing and dancing was great in terms of its, its professionalism how capable they were there was it was not like the you know the movie les mis the musical adaptation not the original one with liam neeson which is way better um it, it it's very clear that, that no one's being carried everybody can sing everybody can dance that's great that's the minimum you should want for musicals whatever they were doing with you know the, the new les mis where they got russell crowe in there <laughs> it's not going to work we, it doesn't fly in musical theater I mean, people that can actually sing so we we've checked those boxes now we're saying if you really want to elevate this and have it not be so sophomoric and, and just so hammed up you got to have a good story. You can't just rely on this phenomenal singing and dancing. Yeah, like, to be clear, the singing and dancing was great. The choreography was intricate. They really made it, like, work with what they're doing with the camera. Like, the production value, the talent, it's all there. They just didn't make me care about it, you know? Like, yeah. Like I've seen really well-produced McDonald's commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I'm, I'm curious. Well, Hank take, came hot on this one. I, so I, I brought this up a little bit in my intro, but man, Lin Manuel Miranda uh, wrote himself a character, the Piragua guy. Uh, why is he here? Give me a good one singular reason why he deserves any screen time. Piragua. <laughs> he gives himself a song. Because it's fun. He's not connected to any other character. He high fives Uznavi once, and then later when they have the blackout party, he's on the railing, and that's it. And it's, man, it's so jarring that he's there. Because it's like, they give him a weird mustache that's clearly fake. He just sticks out like a sore thumb. Everyone knows what Lin-Manuel Miranda looks like. It's so weird. This this is, I'm sure this is something from the play, but this could have easily been cut. Save yourself 10 minutes on your runtime, man. Just don't show your face. Keegan, I'll tell you why they did it. You ready? Are you listening yeah, intently? ready. <laughs> that's why that's why they did it. hey funny funny thing on that the his rival food truck guy the ice cream truck guy who uh 
he's like, hey, this is my block. And he's yelling they're back and forth with each other. That is Benny from the original Broadway play. That the guy uh, is the, the Broadway actor. So ah. that was a fun little hmm. a little nod as well. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really mind act directors putting themselves in. Like M. Night Shyamalan always does yeah, that. Yeah, but he's yeah. in a movie go, for go five you can't seconds. Be elite. You can't... He's like, hey, I, th- I'm, yeah, that's I'm fine. the vet that took care of your dog, and I'm going to have two lines. Right? Seamless. That's fine. That's just – it's believable mm-hmm. that there's an Indian guy that lives yeah. in this city. But Lin-Manuel Miranda running around singing his head off is just ridiculous. Enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I just – you know – as, as a fan of movies who's not a fan of musicals, I was just like, just show me any restraint in this movie. Just a little bit of self-control. Just any amount of it. You, you came to the wrong yeah, shop I, for I that, I know, man. I'm just saying, you know, like, I, I'm not even saying you can't have musical numbers. Like, I, I, I knew I was getting into that. Just like, were they all absolutely necessary? <laughs> were they all 100% integral to the plot? Like Guys, every single three, one. It wouldn't have cut worked. Three characters each. Let's let's play this game. You get you get three cuts. Who are you taking out? Uh, I'm going to take out Usnavi, Vanessa, and oh man, the third one's hard. Those those are the two I really want gone. Yep. Um, Um, maybe the spray paint guy, the the guy with the shake cans, because that uh that 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 clothing line that Vanessa designed with his drop cloths, ugly as hell. Okay. Kids bop core. <laughs> it looks horrendous. <laughs> it's like an uglier solo cup design, like or a jazz cup design. <laughs> I'm I'm cutting everybody but Abuela. I want a, a Abuela <laughs> biopic. I want to start in Cuba. I want to do the whole the whole fucking thing, man. Because in her song, which was my favorite song, she's talking about you know she's singing about how how hard it was being in New York, Nueva York. You you know you don't speak English. You got to work as a maid, whatever else. And she says you know like, but we left Cuba because there wasn't any food. And then she goes back to how hard it was in New York. And I just want more of that story, right? Because the not having any food seems like a big fucking problem that you could get a lot of really interesting uh, scenes around. So just that whole, and you could do it, you know like start innocent when she's a child so she's not seeing all of the world and all its complexity and then you broaden the scope all that stuff she was the most compelling character yeah. to me uh even even the, like not vanessa what was her name the nina. other uh nina i got like the whole reason why she didn't want to go back to school i thought was not not that compelling like she had a really shitty roommate that potentially was racist but was either way very shitty to her and it was also like she didn't have her community a little bit. But I'm like, girl, you got into NYU and Columbia. Just transfer to Columbia. You're it's a couple. It's not that far away. Columbia's in like you know the upper uh, upper west side of New York, right? It's also so a better school. Just go to Columbia, <laughs> Columbia. Yeah, exactly. It just like I just and she was so upset and she said that whole the reveal of why she's upset was I got searched. And, like, everyone there is supposed to know what the fuck that means. Like, I can infer what it means, but I don't think this is, like, a, like, yeah, all the all the undergrads at Stanford, every once in a while you get searched. Really? At Stanford? This is this is the big problem that you're having? I don't know. I just didn't find her character that compelling. I would say I, I – The chemistry between her and her romantic interest was very good, though. I, I'll, I'll give you that. I would say I, I, I'm a little softer. I think, like, I don't know. Those experiences, I'm sure, are pretty scary if you're alone in a, a big city in California you've never been to. But what is not compelling is the idea that she doesn't want to financially burden her father by – apparently they're paying cash by term. And this universe doesn't have student loans. 
right? She's incredibly, she's from a very poor neighborhood. She's not eligible for a Pell Grant or for, you know, any financial no, no. aid at all from the government. You would think if she's- Dad's paying cash. She's so bright, why doesn't she take out some student loans? She'll probably get a good job that can chip him down afterwards. But her dad's <laughs> selling off both of his businesses. So I guess that's a better alternative. <laughs> Well, and then also there's like this thing between uh, Nina and Sunny, like not 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 like Sunny being into her. That was like kind of a joke, but um, like Sunny is is an undocumented in- immigrant, and Nina's like, oh, I you know I can do something, you know I can you know like fight for the rights of, of undocumented peoples. And I'm like, this is actually a pretty interesting story that you gave us mm-hmm. five seconds of, and then said, let's go fuck with Usnavi and Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa yeah. to cry some more about something, like. That mm-hmm. politician who's speaking. No, that story exactly. The... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just say that that story was far more interesting for me about Nina. I, I didn't need the conflict for Nina to be about like if if you're gonna have her be, a, I can totally understand how that would be very upsetting. Like I, I'm not saying that wasn't upsetting, just that like to base most of what's going on with her character around that interaction seemed like a waste, right? And so this whole other story of un- undocumented immigrants trying to go to college and stuff way more interesting, and it could have leveraged her in a much better way. Yeah, absolutely agree. I actually anyway, uh, if if they sorry, produce a sequel. Oh, hey, oh no, I'm sorry. I was going to say that scene where they're at the rally and the female politician is is, is talking about the rights of uh, undocumented, undocumented kids going to school. The wide shot, I thought it was Kamala Harris because they, they stay back for a long time. She's wearing a bright, bright blue blazer and I'm like, oh my God, Kamala Harris is in this movie? And then it's not. But anyways, it looks like her at first. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to cut um, you off. But what I was going to say... What I was going to say is, uh, you know, I will not watch, I think, probably any other movies, uh, you know, written by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda or uh, probably directed, but I don't remember the director's name, probably directed by him. It's just not my style. That said, if they want to produce an Abuela prequel or a Nina sequel <laughs> that have, you know, focused stories on the interesting parts of those characters, I'm down for either. They're both, you know, characters worth exploring. Just, you know... Ha- have a sense of time and place with your, you know, like extra characters and, you know, extraneous musical numbers. I'm not saying don't include Maybe musical we numbers. Get... Feel free. <laughs> Just, you know, place them well. Maybe on the Nina sequel, we get one scene for just a minute or two where she goes and visits Usnavi. And she's like, what are you up to? And he goes, oh, the exact same thing I've been doing the entire time. And Vanessa's upset about something. And it's great. Okay, great. Now I'm off to my interesting life. Bye. <laughs> that, I, that, would, that would work for me. I could, I could use that, that yeah. little reference. Or I like the idea yeah, of no, an I... Abuela prequel where there's no musical numbers. And it's actually a very dark, gritty retelling of being an immigrant. And it's just completely bleak. And then you do a double uh, uh, double feature, and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on tonally with this series? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Abuela had to kill a guy one time. Like, she was... <laughs> yeah, so Abuela's movie's a Hank week, um, and uh, maybe Nina's movie's a Tay week, and it'll be good. No, Abuela, Abuela, the guy that uh, she's going to kill, well, first she kidnaps him, and then she tortures him <laughs> a little bit, and then eventually she kills him, and maybe she, uh, that lottery ticket, maybe at the end, that was just a way to launder some money. That's why she was crossing her fingers she won the lottery, because she stole the money from the guy she killed. Well, did you guys like the after that credit sequence for watch. this movie? It was, it was after all of the credits, and then it was her, she faked her death, and she's taking a boat back to Puerto Rico. <laughs> she used the money for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
for a second, I was like, Jesus, Taylor, or Jesus, Keegan, do you think that I made it through the credits? Like, I got through two hours and 20 minutes of this movie and hit the power button. (laughs) But if there's an after credit scene with an actually alive abuela, I'm going to go watch it again right now, just just for that. (laughs) With her newfound Infinity Stone, Abuela will return in (laughs) Nina 2. The most roundabout oh, Marvel Cinematic Universe tie-in. We gotta bring it around, movies. baby. <laughs> you know what they? Should, I would. You know what would be a great tie-in is if it's just the normal Washington Heights story, living their lives, doing everything normal in Washington Heights, and then randomly in Uptown, there's a huge fight because fucking aliens have come and Thor's <laughs> around and the Hulk's around, and they're just like dealing with it totally normal, and they see Hulk run by, and they're like, "What the fuck?" That'd be great. Yeah, you know. I, 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 I I wouldn't say no to Thor in in one of these musical numbers. Like, you know, if that happened, like, it, would it be more disjointed? Yeah, but the movie's already completely disjointed. But you've added Thor, so you're not really losing anything. Mm-hmm. But you do have the God mm-hmm. of Thunder. So, <laughs> yeah, Chris Hemsworth in costume ripping uh, Usnafi okay. in half is, uh, I think, the ending that we all deserved. <laughs> No, I don't, I, don't, I don't need Usnavi to die. I just want the movie to be focused on an interesting character. <laughs> or maybe maybe the whole the whole sequel is Usnavi trying to deal with the uh, trying trying to deal with his store having been destroyed in one of these epic Avengers fights. And there's no there's no compensation for him. He's trying to get the government to do it, but they're like Shield's not really a real thing. And he's like, well, he's got to file all these forms. Meanwhile, Vanessa's upset because he's not making any money anymore. <laughs> he's just dealing with the fallout of the Avengers. Okay. It's directed by Paul I'd Thomas Anderson. <laughs> anyway, I'm starting to feel... Are we, are we ready to... Yeah, really I'm starting to feel we're like, you know, close. this movie's taken enough of a beating. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think, uh, Hank, you start us yeah. off. Taylor, you want to go with uh, your final thoughts and a rating? Yeah. Um, final thoughts. Uh, again, the, the musical numbers, the dance numbers are great. Um, I, I, I loved all the dancing. I didn't see anybody in the background that was a bad dancer um, and all different types of, of people and, and body types. And that's I love seeing people of all different uh, sizes and shapes um, that know how to dance. So I, I, I loved all of that. Um, the story was very boring to me the characters were largely boring to me um so i think for a rating i gotta give it like a six out of ten absentee uncles that aren't really helping out their uh, their kids oh. it's a bad to it's a bad to this movie also a uh, a movie only write-in with that character which is just it's so unnecessary hank how do you feel about this movie no, just the uncle with tattoos who drinks a lot of beer and doesn't want to talk. That's it. That's that guy. Yeah. Cool. So, Hank, you know, like as a disclaimer, if you like musicals, just discount my opinion here entirely because you're probably going to be into this movie. But, you know, I'm speaking to the Hank crew out there, the Hankophiles, the Hank-a-maniacs. people, you know, the Hankomaniacs. Yeah, I'm talking to the people that, you know, like watched The Killing of a Sacred Deer and they're like, I'm interested in what they're doing there. I'm talking to the people that uh, saw the first Saw and they were like, Man, that was cool. I, I loved seeing Carrie Hughes in that role. You know, I'm talking to those people, not the musical fans in the audience. But anyway, for those people, this is going to be my rating. Um, I think I would give this movie about 562 out of 1,569 uh, musical numbers. 
I'm going to run the numbers. Check the show notes. We'll, uh, we'll calculate that Carry out for one. you. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, this has been a fun discussion, guys. Uh, from my personal thoughts, I probably am the softest on musicals. Uh, I liked this movie a fair deal. I think it's... I have nothing to say to you guys' complaints about it being unfocused and centering on the wrong characters. All completely fair criticisms, but I just am someone that's going to get uh, swept up by spectacle. I really like seeing just that, that level of musical awe that you're not going to get in any other genre. So I liked it a fair amount. There's a lot of stupid bullshit along the way, and it's way too long. There's a, a director's cut of this that should only be like an hour 45, the Keegan cut of it, uh, that would be way better. So I liked it a lot. Um, <laughs> I would give this uh, four out of five gossiping nail technicians. I liked it. Actually, that might have been one of the best parts of the movie. I did like the salon. The salon is very fun. Keegan, if you're in there for the spectacle and the music, you got to start watching some Bollywood, man. Because Bollywood, I can't can't pin down what genre it is. It's not fucking musicals. And a lot of them are just a normal uh, movie in terms of lack of singing and then there's like three musical numbers for some they gotta have them they just throw them in for some reason and you're just these characters are going around and all of a sudden oh they can all sing and they can all dance and there's ten thousand of them all <laughs> dancing and it's just i haven't pinned down how i want to categorize it but it's great if you're in it if you're in it for the spectacle it's like a what is that called when you add, it's like a garnish right this musical numbers it's always just it's present it, it lightens mm-hmm. it up a little bit so i might i might take some some recs on titles for it from you but uh, Taylor, I think you have something else you'd like to tell us. Uh, this is our, our A week, and we'll be transitioning next week into a B week. It is your B week. Taylor, why don't you tell us what we're watching and uh, read the plot Ooh. summary for us. Ooh, so I've been keeping this one for my for myself for a little bit because I, I knew that I wanted to recommend it at some point, but I just wanted to fit it in just, just right. And it's a movie that I know you guys have heard of, um, and it's called, let me pull up the blurb here so I can read it properly for you, give you guys a real taste. Okay, so this is 2020's The Empty Man. And the blurb is, Woo! on the trail of a missing girl, an, ex, an ex-cop comes across a secretive group attempting to summon a terrifying supernatural entity. Just disregard that. Don't even worry about that blurb. Don't even think about that blurb. Just sit down and watch the movie and think, I have no clue what's about to happen. And you're not going to see – this is, This movie is great if you're on a budget because there's not just one movie. There's like five <laughs> movies you're going to see when you watch this, each of them different, each of them catering to a separate, uh, a separate group of audiences. And the tension builds the entire time. And when it gets there at the end, you're going to look up some string theory shit. You're going to look up some physics at the end of this movie because you're so interested in the story they've told you. And you're, oh, by the way, you're going to be terrified the entire fucking time in addition to your scientific interests. Okay. I, uh, I have goosebumps just hearing you talk about it. And also I've seen it before, so I know what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you, you may recall that Keegan originally recommended this to me. I came back and said I loved it, and then Taylor had to give it a watch. Now we've come full circle back to Taylor recommending it to me and Keegan. What a crazy world we live in. I wrote like 5,000 words on this as for, to get ready for the review oh, wow. because that's how excited I am and how complicated this movie is. Okay. I cannot so wait I think there's this. It's going to be a good discussion. You're going to have to tune in a week week or so roughly to hear it, but it's going to be a good discussion. But I think there's something else we should tell our fans about, something a little bit uh, exclusive, something that one might describe as P. 
Patreon exclusive. Ooh. <laughs> and I cannot believe Ooh. that I brought up, I did not bring up at the top of this episode. We are recording a Patreon episode this week. We're going to be doing a review of Bo Burnham's Inside. It's a new Netflix special that he made and released during the pandemic. Uh, I think this dropped about a week or two ago, and I watched this and fell in love with it and recommended that we watch this as our review there. Uh, I think that this is going to be an interesting conversation as well. It's a very, very weird comedy special, and I don't even know if we can call it that. But uh, you know what? If you want to hear any more, you're shit out of luck. I'm not going to tell you unless you're one of the six people that we love so very dearly and subscribe to our Patreon. So if you want to hear our discussion on Bo Burnham's Inside... The best of the best truly the best of the best the cream of the cream of the crop swing by our patreon this week and you will hear that episode it's gonna be a good discussion yeah and i'd like to say you know we love all our fans we love them all equally except for the patreon fans who we love more they're the first among equals